Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thanks to everyone who makes this possible as supporting members of the team. Please consider joining so you can get the ad-free Team Human Team feed, access to our Discord server, live online salons where we record our Kibitz Room episodes, as well as the occasional live in-person event, like the Team Human Live in New York with Mitch Horowitz on Halloween. Anyway, sorry for the ads. You're on Team Human, Conscious Intervention in the Machine. Free media, but not a free-for-all. A balance between thought and passion, and a commitment to increase our tolerance for the ambiguous in-between. Certainty is death. Sustained mystery is the source of renewal. I'm Douglas Rushkoff, and you're on Team Human. Playing for Team Human today, it's me. A monologue for this moment. It's time to intervene on behalf of people and all living things. I'm Douglas Rushkoff, and we're all on Team Human. Thanks for uh, for listening today. We're changing up our format. I've been doing uh, longer interviews and now uh, some standalone monologue shows, which uh, I think gives us a little bit more time to get deeper into some of the issues of the day and... Well, these days, the issues are indeed deep, um, as, are, as are the wounds. It's been, it's been tough on all of us, and wherever on the spectrum of uh, belief or ideology, um, hopefully all of us anyway on, on, on Team Human are most concerned about uh, the lives of people and uh, see most of the reasons for killing people as... Uh, quite suspect. I'm uh, going to talk some about that today, and uh, really mostly about my uh, decision to leave uh, social media, and X in particular, uh, for good, uh, forever and for good. 
<laughs> for, for good. It is for good. I mean, I actually, um, a few things finally pushed me over the, over the edge. You know, my daughter's at college now and she's in a, uh, a class on Chaucer as a freshman. There were like all these really filled up classes and there was one that didn't have a lot of people in it. Like she's a freshman, her first semester, it's like advanced Chaucer before the Canterbury Tales. It's like old English, not in translation. Like, oh my God. Um, So she takes this course and she's actually having a really good time in it. And um, they they read this poem that I ended up reading too called The, the Parliament of Fowls by Chaucer who's this, you know, old English uh, poet. And it's really interesting little poem. Well, not that little. It's like, you know, 900 lines long. And it's hard to read because it's in old English. But the story is basically this guy is uh, reading a book by Cicero about this idea called the common prophet which is pretty much like if you know the economist Hayek it's it's pretty much the idea that you know there's a big market of ideas and if everybody kind of argues their point in the market of ideas as if in a parliament then eventually the best idea that has the most common good will be arrived at and he falls asleep into like this dream and he ends up in this giant a gathering of birds who are like birds in this giant parliament, like a, a Congress. And they're all arguing about stuff. And they're basically having this big argument about which eagle this female eagle should mate with, like marry. And they're all having all this self-interested stuff. It's all going back and forth and back and forth. And as all the birds are arguing, um, I got this thought that you know that these birds are kind of like Twitter, right? It's this big Twitter, right? Or that maybe that's why he changed the name. Musk changed the name from Twitter to X recently because Twitter it is this Twitter of birds of people arguing, and not in order to reach you know the the common sense or or what the, what Cicero called common profit, not to figure out what's the best resolution for everyone concerned, but everybody yelling their own tiny idea from their own tiny perspective and just shouting and not listening. I mean, the story in the poem is actually really interesting because nature shows up or she sort of leads the, uh, uh, leads the whole Congress, I guess. And she says, stop, you know, let's just let the girl Eagle decide who she wants to be with. And then, um, the girl eagle says, look, I'm just over this. I mean, let me come back and figure it out next year. I'll, I don't know who I want. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'll decide in a year. And as I saw it, it's a beautiful idea, right? Because it's, it's nature and the female bird are saying, look, we're not going to arrive at an answer by arguing this thing out in Twitter. And even the idea of getting the resolute answer, who is the mate, who's the one, so that everyone can breathe a sigh of relief and go home. That's like, you know, old Aristotle narrative, right? Beginning, middle, end. Okay, it's done. There's there's something more like nature. There's something more like renewal in the idea that 
the bird is going to come back and give the answer next year. If the bird's going to come back next year, it means there's going to be a next year, right? Which is much more like the kind of traditional fertility rituals that were done before Western logic and all the stuff that Chaucer seems to be criticizing. It felt like a very, a very uh, team humany message about marrying, you know, logic with the the intuition and circularity of nature and helping people realize that not having an answer is okay. Can you sustain the mystery over a whole year? Well, if you can, then you get to come back. You get to live through the year and sustain yourself. If you can't sustain the mystery, if you can't sustain the ambiguity, if you need the answer now, that answer is akin to the end, to death, to, to uh, uh, the intolerance for the, the ambiguity and ambivalence that is the source of renewal in life, that sustained mystery. But for now, the critique I like in that poem that applies to where we're at is this idea of the, the, the twittering crowd and how the twittering crowd doesn't really help us progress. It's missing something. It's missing something. It's missing the in-between. It's missing the ambiguous. It's missing the moderated. It's missing the, the emotional, the poetic, the whole human experience is negated in there. And for me, in the current crisis and looking at how many people are trying to make their points about the Middle East and what happened and who's right and who's wrong on a platform like Twitter made me feel like not only is is Twitter and social media the wrong place to be having these discussions, but that Twitter and social media may be part of what is making this discussion so polarized, so awful, so seemingly irresolvable. And it came for me, and I guess, all right, so trigger, you know, trigger warning for the rest of this. But, you know, life is a trigger warning at this point. But I was was on X because I was going to announce... The what the subject was of the last podcast. That's the main thing I'm using the X for is just to put up a link. Oh, I spoke to Naomi Klein about this. Come see. Um, publicity, right? So I was back on there to do the last episode, and somewhere in my feed was this uh, picture of a uh, of a dead baby, right? A dead baby from the Middle East conflict, I guess, you know. And there are people arguing about. Israel and Hamas and the Palestinians and Jews. And somewhere down the Twitter stream for this picture was a tweet where someone someone says, wait a minute, whose baby is this? Israelis or Palestinians? As if he had to know, I'm saying he, they had to know what kind of baby it was so they knew how to feel about it. And I mean I've been upset about a lot of things, but but this this the inhumanity uh has been overwhelming. And somehow that tweet just made me cry. I was like, 
man, you know, this person doesn't know how to feel because he doesn't know what side the baby's on. Like, like the baby's on a side. And that's when I thought, oh, this is just, this is not good for me, right? This is not good. And I, I had already been off it, you know, just like I'd been off Facebook essentially since like 2011, 2013. But no, I, I'm finally definitely fully leaving X. And I think uh, we'll see, but I'm thinking all social media. Um, and I'm, I'm encouraging people to do the same, or at least to do the same if they use it the same way I've been. I mean, I've been uh, watching what has been passing for debates about this Middle East crisis on social media for, what's it, two, three weeks now. And I, I've really reached the point where I'm going off this stuff for good. I may, I may still use, we'll see, LinkedIn, which doesn't really feel like a social network to me. I may still use LinkedIn to post announcements or poke around on Mastodon or maybe Blue Sky to see if those communities, if we want to call them that, or platforms could be coaxed to lean in another direction. And I'll do things like Discord, little closed groups. That's not social media. That's uh, bulletin boards and, and, and things like that. I could see being in a, in a, a, a Reddit group uh, uh, discussing something. But I'm finding that, that social media and X in particular, um, they're, they're not just bad places to let these controversies play out, but the, 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 the logic and incentive structures of the platforms, they may have facilitated or, or accelerated the, the disaster and divisiveness we're now seeing on both the left and the right. So let me, let me go back um, to the beginning, at least for me. Um, I never felt it was appropriate for me to be on social media at all. You know, by the time social media emerged, which uh, I would say blogger and and the weblogs were the their early social social media. You know, before uh, MySpace and 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 Facebook and those things. The, you know, blogger and and some of those uh, uh, sort of amateur forums for discussing things for 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 sharing one's opinion. Um, it felt wrong to me to go in there. I was already, I mean, in 1994, I was a published author. You know, I'd written Siberia, and then I did Media Virus, and I had books. I had a column that was syndicated going to the Australian and the Guardian of London and the Cleveland Plain Dealer. It was great pay to South Africa, Guardian. Um, I was a professional writer, and it seemed inappropriate for me to go into the social media space, into the blogger space, because I had a platform that this was for people who didn't have platforms. This was for people who, who weren't getting paid, you know, three or $500 a column and getting to write professionally. It was a place for people to share their opinions. And, and because it was amateur, there was something else that was particularly beautiful 
about it. You had people writing about, you know, the best pizzerias in Atlanta, you know, or uh, uh, sharing uh, uh, opinions about esoteric music and movie reviews. And sometimes those blogs could end up kind of rising up to become professional, like um, Ain't It, Ain't It Cool News. I don't know if people remember that one. Ain't It Cool News was kind of reviews of uh, uh, science fiction movies and games and different things by a, a great r- writer. And it rose and it became, went, went through hobbyist to that, uh, to that. But when professionals went in there, um, I thought it was dumb for a few reasons. I mean, I mean, it, it it changed the 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 hobbyist amateur culture into something else. It's really in an odd way, unintentionally. It was the same way, and I've always talked about how investors and business people and Wired kind of commercialized the net. It commercialized. It changed that amateur uh, love nature of the social media space of Blogger and these little platforms and 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 and. Um, little platforms, see, little, I mean it like that, it's a quaint, wonderful, kind of village-like, free-to-express-themselves amateur platforms into way more competitive things. I mean, it, it was dumb from the perspective of a professional writer. If you've got a professional platform, a column somewhere that you're being paid, it's kind of like like a Shakespearean actor on the stage at the Globe, jumping into the pit where the groundlings are, who are you know shouting all, all the stuff. It's like, no, wait a minute, you're on the stage. You have the stage. You have the microphone, and now you're going to jump into it. You're going to lose your platform and lose the 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 really the advantage that that they've worked so hard to achieve. You've worked years to become a professional journalist and now you're going to jump into the fray again. You know, it's it's I remember when I wanted to buy a lottery ticket when I was a little kid and my dad was like, "Don't waste your money on the lottery." I'm like, "What? What? But it's cool. I could get a million dollars or something." And he's like, "Doug, if you think that you are smarter or more capable than the average Joe, then you shouldn't buy a lottery ticket because then you're reducing whatever advantage that you may have developed by working and reading and and developing a skill. And that always stuck with me. I know it's elitist in a certain way, but I get I get what he was saying. In other words, if you buy a lottery ticket, anything that you think you have as skill or any advantage or anything you've developed or any of your smarts are no longer there right you're you're throwing in your lot literally lottery with everybody else likewise when a, a professional journalist who does have that amplifier of professional media of an audience of being supported to do this when they go on the social media it's like they're going out into the into the park and standing on a soapbox i don't know if you've ever been i don't know if they still do it i know they did in in this big, big giant park in in London I was at. And there were these dudes who stand on like a little milk crate and like spout their their like kind of crazy philosophy. Uh, let's call it philosophy, but just stuff, right? So you give up 
whatever advantage you may have, you know, even if you're just a, a teacher at a college, you know, you have a lecture and you have two or three or 400 people who are coming into that lecture, hopefully, because they respect you and understand that you're their teacher. There's a, and you get to speak in a way that hopefully you don't take advantage of, but where you acknowledge this uh, power differential and you can use it to really let down your guard and, and be vulnerable in a very different way than you can be if you're taking a soapbox and going into the, into the park. If anything, the beauty of having a, a platform to speak from, a professional platform, is that it lets you be more vulnerable. You don't have to fight for the dominance, right? You've got that. So it, it frees you to be the other way, to open up your doubt, to share where you're at. I know people don't use it that way, but that for me was always the point. Now, if I've got a book and you're going to read the book and you've got the book in your hands, I already won that part. So now I can be as open and vulnerable and ambivalent about things and actually walk people through that experience of doubt, model the experience of doubt. And worse, when professionals go into social media, when they went into social media, it changed social media from a play space to one that had some, some authority, right? After that, now the stuff there matters, right? Now social media matters. The professionals are in there. It matters, including the lunacy from the dude on the soapbox. What we do when we go as professionals, right? As journalists into an amateur social media space and treat it as a professional media space, right? We rob that space of its own social power, right? We rob it of the, the, its hobbyist ability to, to experiment in their way. Because now, even with good intentions, these are not spaces where you can have uh, serious conversations. I'm sorry. It's just not. It's the comments sections without the articles, right? And most good publications shut down their comment sections because they're so crazy and unruly and disinformed and filled with bots and everything else. I mean, uh, Reddit and Metafilter actually always did this so much better. You know why? I mean, we can get into that because they have human human moderators. They have human moderators actually making decisions. And yes, it's distributed because different moderators from different cultures are in different forums and understand and build cultures there based on certain kinds of moderation. Yes, moderation. And so, yeah, and then they get in fights and there's meta fights about it. But, you know, what they'll do is they'll, they'll post an article and then people will talk about it in a moderated forum in a way that most publications couldn't matter. And it's not elitist, or maybe it is elitist to say this, but the here comes everybody. That's Clay Shirky's book title from the from the 90s. Brilliant book. The here comes everybody is not actually good for public discourse at scale. Right? Not at scale. It's fine. Here comes everybody. Everybody can say what they want. Is fine for the corner bar or the or the pub where there might be some closed-minded bigot who's saying what he says and other people know, all oh, right, there's Joe. 
saying his crazy stuff. and Or they even, Joe comes in and you stop talking about it, about politics or whatever you were talking about, because you know you're going to get Joe answers. The group of nine or 10 or six people at the pub can even moderate what they're talking about to to accommodate or avoid the the intransigent bigotry of, of someone uh, of their community. But those uh, non-scaled examples of, of public discourse are not a replacement for CNN or, or the New York Times. And neither is, is social media, right? Neither is Twitter or X, even though so many people on those platforms say, oh, I've got to come here in order to get the real story. I've got to come here because I, I can find out firsthand and, and directly. So you're not finding out firsthand or directly. You're finding out what some robot program six weeks before um, wants to flip whatever conversation is going into, you know, and and now CNN and the New York Times and and uh, whoever and Fox, whatever you watch, those outlets are reporting on social media activity as if tweets were primary sources, right? They report on the tweets. I mean, I've been talking about that for ten years now. That tweets make the news. That they're not reporting the news. They are the news as if these tweets are, and this is the mainstream media's excuse for reporting on Twitter. They're really doing it because, you know, it's sensational, most sensationalist reality TV-like stuff out there. But they they report on these tweets as if these were some kind of primary source or a, a barometer of the public sentiment. Like, so how's the public feeling about this? Let's go to Twitter to find out. That's not the public. That they, 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 These are barometers of the sentiments of people and bots at their absolute craziest. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, they're absolute crazy. It's like, how do how does the public feel about this? Let's go to the psych ward at Bellevue and find out. Right, you can get certain things by going there. Right, you'll find out certain things and and maybe very predictive things. Right, because you know people with certain mental illnesses are an interesting barometer. But that's not that's not where we're at. That's not the news. That's where things could spin out. Right. If anything, what when if you report on Twitter, uh, it's or X. Let's call it X. Uh, if you report on X, what you're reporting on is, unless we're careful, this is what people will think. Right. But not even people. Not even people. A Elon Musk's made the, all these revisions 
to to X, which are basically a cost cutting and uh, uh, authoritarian uh, promoting uh, uh, revisions, they've institutionalized and amplified the very worst of all of this. And this is what all the current research is showing: verification now, which you know, getting the the uh, getting the blue check mark. Now it's something you do with money. You pay eight bucks or whatever, eight bucks a month or eight bucks once. I don't know what it is. And and then you get your check mark, which is why right now, according to NewsGuard, which is which is real, 74% of the platform's most viral claims relating to the war, the Israel-Hamas war, they come from blue checked users. You get what I'm saying? 74% of the most viral crazy stuff comes from the blue checks because the blue check stuff are prioritized algorithmically because you're paying eight bucks or whatever. And because people, when they see the blue check mark, that's a sign of credibility. At least it was grounded that way from before because it used to be that you were, it meant you were a verified account, not just that you paid money for it. So for eight bucks now, you can look like today's equivalent of a professional publication. And the things that are getting amplified, according to NewsGuard, these these seventy four percent of the most viral claims on on and false claims on Twitter are are things like, uh, and I'm quoting them: "Is Israel killed thirty three thousand Palestinian children?" Ah, uh, now Israel or or Ukraine sold weapons to Hamas. Or the Hamas attack was a false flag carried out by the U.S. Or the false flag attack carried out by Israel. I mean, these disinfo myths alone got over 1.3 million engagements last week, right? Because they're coming from these super spreader accounts and they have check marks and people are saying, oh, my God, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. And they're retweeting it and then sending it on, you know, to their WhatsApp groups. I see this stuff in groups that I'm even on. So where, where, you know, where's the real information, right? Where's, where's the stuff that, that, uh, the really simple stuff, uh, uh, without getting into the, the, the whole debate here, where's the basic information on, you know, Egypt's inability to let people through its border because they're fighting their own kind of anti-Palestinian insurgency in the, in the, in the Sinai Peninsula. Where is that? It's not there because these three body problems don't fit on Twitter, on X. You know, even beyond Musk technologically handicapping um, X in this way and the, the terror and, and bullying um, that, that, that he does. The, these platforms are, are intrinsically poor for, for deliberating or thinking. I mean, and just so people understand, I mean, Musk's, uh, Musk's own behavior on the platform as the owner of the platform models a kind of behavior. He makes something okay. He is actively bullying. You know, he puts up really bad stuff, and and he actively, in his own words, bullies. He bullied his advertisers the first week. He said, "If you leave this platform, I'm going to do thermonuclear name and shame and blame on you." In other words, the platform will turn against you. I will get my Twitter armies to 
do awful things to you. I mean, this this crippling of this platform in particular, but I'm thinking that that all platforms are intrinsically poor for deliberating or thinking, which maybe is why Musk, in his genius, realized, oh no, Twitter is not ever going to be good for deliberating or thinking. What it will be good for is disinforming people and bullying people. So let's just make the platform do get on with its real business and go do that. But social media itself, I think part of the problem is that there's no uh, friction. There's no there are no moderating influences. It's a bit like, you know, running on ice. When you run in a certain direction, you can't stop. Even if you mean to, then you're going to keep sliding in that direction. That's what happens with social media. There's no, no friction, no moderation, no balance. Everything, every idea, it ends up rushing, sliding towards its absolute conclusion immediately. So ideas in progress, uh, things that maybe could be considered, they end up just going to their, their logical extremes. You know, the, the, the very appropriate social justice ethos of centering the most vulnerable, it knows no limitation on social media right everything has to get defined and and then practiced to the extreme so the logic of thinking first about the most marginalized people it ends up being so oversimplified as to be useless it becomes you know a darker is automatically more vulnerable or or these ones are white colonizers and those ones are black indigenous people therefore it's okay for these ones to kill those ones or 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 exterminate all the other ones these this absolute binary thought system engendered by a platform like x it has no place for the complex details of real life and it's hard to even talk about this without inflaming one side or the other, to talk about the complexity. Right? 60% of Israeli Jews are people of color who were forcibly expelled from Arab nations since the 20s and 30s. Meanwhile, it's also impossible for people to distinguish between Hamas and the populations they control. The people of Palestine, the poor people of Palestine, under the duress of decades of repression and, and semi-siege conditions, they still disagree with what Hamas is doing in their name. The leaders of Hamas don't even live in Palestine or, or have the Palestinian people's interests at heart. But that kind of information, this ambiguity, this ambivalence, this, this non-binary stuff, it doesn't fit in a tweet looking to blame one side or the other for the dead baby in the picture, because that's the only way you're going to get more retweets. I don't like being techno-determinist, but social media does this to people, uh, not just directly, but as our dominant media environment. I'm not taking the social dilemma stance that Facebook and its algorithms are so powerful that they make us crazy. Rather, I'm saying that the, the frictionless 
quality of this space untethers its users from reality. It's like an acid trip where the hallucinations can become more compelling than the real. Every thought spins out and magnifies. If you have a thought or a fear, it's as if it is, it is just conjured into reality. Without an intentional set and setting for an acid trip, one can easily get lost in the turbulence. It's, it's everything everywhere all at once. We lose all sense of who we are. And what do people do when they lose track of who they are? They clutch desperately for identity, for ground, blood and soil, as the white nationalists chanted at the social media organized rally under Trump. Make America great again. That sense of, of, of nation and origin, though entirely mythical, it gives a sense of grounding, of identity, and, and an otherwise ethereal and relativistic haze of, of digital postmodernism. You know, and, and the progressive left, we went and did the same thing. You know, intersectionality, as defined by Kimberly Williams Crenshaw back in 1989, that was originally about intersecting disadvantaging factors and how they led to discrimination in legal cases, such as being a black woman as opposed to just black or just a woman, or being disabled and a new Mexican immigrant, and how those disadvantaging factors can combine or layer to, to, to magnify each other and lead to something else entirely. But in a groundless, uh, uh, oversimplified digital media environment, one's intersection becomes flattened out like like a place on on a singly defined line or spectrum of merit whoever's further down the line of oppression gets to speak so you have people social signaling and demanding receipts and proving that they're somehow closer to indigeneity or authenticity than someone else all in order to have an identity an official identity connection to some ground or place or thing to feel anchored in this untethered, unreal, unverified, floaty netherworld of what? Uh, tweets? So, so ultimately, nothing nuanced, nothing provisional, experimental, or, or in-between and unresolved can happen in these spaces. Nothing at all like real life, which is uncertain, always moving and perpetually migratory. And our understanding of the world, it's increasingly defined and triggered and re-traumatized by the abuse in these spaces. Our experience of reality is increasingly informed by their bullshit, racist, reverse racist, nationalist, identity-obsessed drives. And none of this will help us uh, contend with the reality that that we don't even have individual identities at all identity that's a that's a concept of of capitalism and marketing and systems of domination the extent to which any of us actually has an identity at least in in the team human model it's it's dependent on our connections we have with other people right you are my identity so yeah I'm leaving. I'm leaving X and pretty much everything else I can I can leave. I'm leaving it for my own sanity as well as to be an example. It is not necessary. It is not necessary. 
It's not even good, but it's certainly not necessary, even for publicity. This is if this is any help. You know, NPR did some study. You know, they they left um, X and they experienced no difference. They experienced no difference in the people following links to get to their platform. So don't dignify the space. Certainly don't dignify X. It's got the same vibe as Rumble intentionally. And and as I've been saying on on Team Human for for seven years now, without human intervention. All sorts of other biases take charge. We have to be present, right? Rumble and and X are are explicitly about removing human intervention from this mob-like, bullying, awful behavior. And that's just not not a place to be. Do not dignify it. You know, there's one argument people are saying, well, it's elite to leave. Right, you you can leave because you're elite because you have an audience. You 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 have the power to leave. You know, I don't I don't like that argument. I mean, is it elite not to take heroin just because there's addicts who can't stop? You know, no, or because there's more uh, uh, poor people who are addicted to heroin than wealthy people? I'm sorry, I I don't buy that. No, the whole thing is a troll. The whole platform is a troll. Oh, did you hear? You've been off Twitter for a while. Did you hear what's going on? Did you hear what they said about you there? It's the same as an individual troll in a in a in a post that you kind of want to reply to. The whole platform. It, it's a meta troll. It's an environment as troll. It is pure anti-institutionalism. That's what it is. It is pure corrosiveness. It it's on the right and the left. It is it is corrosive and it is decadent in the truest sense of the word. Decadent is not drinking champagne, right, or sushi. It's decay. It is decay of the values on which and morals on which a society depends. You know, it's like turning off Jerry Springer. Looking away from Jerry Springer is not looking away from reality. You're not losing track of reality. It is looking back into reality. The people on these platforms, they are tripping. They are tripping. Don't try to reach them in there. I mean, they still, almost everybody still has some time of their day outside social media. That's when to strike, right? Hug them. Yeah. Hug them. Hug them. Kiss them. You know, feed them. Fuck them, right? Wake them up. Right, but do it in the real world where human beings have the home field advantage, right? This realm, the one in which we live, this is the realm of compassion, of, of hope, uh, of connection. And maybe most of all, the, the love and unconditional acceptance that is only possible for embodied beings to express. Dang. Thanks for being on Team Human. Please pardon me for anything I may have said about the Middle East conflict that's inconsistent with what you feel in your heart of hearts. I'm not grandstanding for a side in what I see as the inhumane exploitation of people thrown into an artificial conflict against their own interests. But I understand that position is itself unacceptable to many. I pray and work toward peace, 
the liberation of the Palestinian people, the safety and increasing tolerance for and by the Israeli people, and the freedom of everyone from the manipulative domination by the global thugs who derive power from bloodshed. Like it or not, we are all on Team Human, and hopefully off X. <laughs> Team Human is produced by Joshua Chapdelin and edited by Luke Robert Mason. I'm Douglas Rushkoff, and you've been on Team Human, our last best hope for peeps. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 